Welcome to The Heath Barnes Show, bringing you interviews and insights to grow your business from some of today's leading voices in the mortgage industry. The Heath Barnes Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Heath Barnes. Welcome to another episode of Mortgages Reimagined. I'm your host, Heath Barnes, and I've got some extra special guests today. Not only Mr. from Grand Rapids, but also his team captain, Brittany. I think you guys are going to be excited for the show because we're going to be talking about a CRM and how that's changed everyone's life. And I want to start off with like a quote. This quote is by uh, James Clear. If you haven't read the book, Atomic Habits, uh, I would grab it. It's a great book. It's a great read. But the quote is, many people think they lack lack motivation, but what they really lack is clarity. And what I think when I read that, what I think about is what you have is clarity of your business because you've put together what we call a playbook and a CRM. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, stick around. And Brendan, why don't you go ahead? You were, you were just on a few weeks ago on the podcast. So most people know who you are, but why don't you start off by introducing your beautiful team captain, Brittany? So uh, yeah, Brittany uh, has been with us now for what? Almost two years, I think. Yep. So we, I would like to say we stole her from one of the notoriously bad banks to work at in town. She labored over there for 10 or 12 years. To her credit, she couldn't take it anymore and heard good things about us and and reached out to us. So we were fortunate that she went through the interviewing process. I heard about her. I never met her. But when we hired her, we said, wow, this might be Odie's new team captain. And then when I met her, I was like, oh yeah, this is it. This is going to be a game changer. And then, And then as we just talked about you know, slowly put her on the team. You don't want to bring somebody in from the outside and say, hey, you got a new boss. Here she is. So Brittany's going to join the team. She's going to help us with A, B, C, and D. And she spent a few months observing and tweaking and slowly showing them that she had a massive skill set. And what I knew and what she knew was like, hey, here's a new team captain. We're changing some things. It's going to be way better. It's going to make your life easier. You're going to work more efficiently and less hours and just, you know, what's in it for them. It was a lot of good stuff that was in it for them. Nice. Well, two questions off of what you just said. Number one is like in that process, you say, I knew uh, when I was talking to her, I knew she was the one. So that's question number one. What, how did you know she was the one? And then number two, you know, how did the rest of the team feel when you were introducing her? How did you like, it's hard to bring someone in that's not been on the, t- the team without hurting someone's feelings or create some disruption? How did you do that? So from my point of view, I mean, I knew it because you can't have a bunch of you, right? If there's 10 Heath Barnes running around your office, you're a little bit like me. Yeah. You know, it gets chaotic. <laughs> it gets chaotic. So she is supplementary or and complementary because she does a lot of stuff that I don't do. But she also has such a wide range of talent that, that she can step in and, and be me. And maybe she's not as salesy as me, but she's, she can do it, you know, where some people just don't want to talk to people on the phone. So she had the skill set, and then immersing her in the team. It's just a slow process. And I would say a couple of people on the team were probably unsure. I have one team member who maybe thought they should be uh, the team captain, but also realized that, you know, the, 
all the stuff that she has done, it would be like me trying to be the team captain. I actually was the team captain before, which is why uh, we needed a change because you can only get so far with uh, a control freak, high D, high I sales guy who's all over the place. You know, you need you need structure and you need systems and you need accountability within your own team. And I even have accountability to my team captain. So, yeah. Yeah. So the characteristics you would say uh, detail oriented, able to work on operations. Well, let's just hear from Brittany. What do you think your superpowers are as a team captain? I think probably my number one superpower is remaining calm and knowing that there's a solution to the problem. And I think that helps everyone on the team, including Brendan, not panic. We're not, you know, splitting the atom here. We're doing mortgages, which are very important, but there's a way to get through it and yeah. just everybody on track. Yeah, I love that because somebody once told me, they're like, you know, when you have a problem and you're freaking out, like, are you going to then be able to handle that problem better than if you're like calm and cool? Like, no, you're going to be like, oh, so nice. So it's not a big deal until you make it a big deal. That's what we've really been talking a lot about in the last few months. What do you think you got that skill from, Brittany? The ability to remain calm. And super difficult situations, stressful situations for most people. I think I got a lot of that actually from my dad. He was a foreman. So all growing up, I could hear him on the phone, remaining calm, problem solving, things like that. But then all through my education, I took a lot of courses on how to problem solve and stay calm and find the root cause of problems and just have that emotional intelligence too, to help others through those calmly. And for those who, for everyone listening, if you can find someone, someone that is a master in problem solving, make sure you hire and make him your team captain. So besides problem solving, what else, Brittany, do you think is one of your superpowers in the mortgage business? I have, well, I worked at a big bank for a long time and I actually started there as an intern. So I worked my way through each role through mortgages. So I've done all of it. I think that helps me uh, relate to everybody on my team and outside of the team, but it also allows if something is, it's a hot file, I can jump in and I can wear that hat for that time to help the good of the team get through that. Um, we are, we're a bigger team now, which is very exciting, but we are all very close knit. And so if there's one file to get through and we can all put our skills in there to get it done, we're going to get it done. So just yeah. different hats too. Very large team. What do you have? Nine people on the team now? Yep. Yeah. Nice. That's a nice big team. So you got to be organized if you're going to have a team that big. Start. I want to start off with talking about the uh, the playbook and Brendan, how how that came about and uh, how Brittany was um, instrumental in, in in getting this rolled out and what it is exactly a playbook. So as we grow and as, as we grow as a team, as we grow as an office, we have offices in different parts of the country is the more we talk about uniformity, the more you have to have it written down, you know, Hey, what's this person's top three job duties? What's their job description? And if, because if you're not doing it the same in different areas of your office of the country, wherever you're at, then there's, you know, what if things slow down in one region slower than the other, if you can plug and play, Hey, we're going to help our Arizona office do some processing. And and if we all do things the same way, because we have basically the same playbook, then it's easier to to help out and spread out the workload. I think that's the main answer. And to have some structure, you know, how do you do this? Well, 
I don't know. We haven't talked about it in a year and a half, but it's in the playbook. So let's go look at it. So Brittany, what do you think? What's your answer to that question? Um, I would agree coming from a large bank to a smaller company within Treadstone. I actually kind of struggled with not having structure within the team. So I love the idea of the playbook. And like Brendan said, having steps, having the top three duties, having something there to hold myself and each other accountable and also to help those that are joining the team so that we're all doing it the same way. Yeah. And what for someone that's just starting out, maybe they're going to, they say, you know, that's a great idea. Let me do it. Let me put together a playbook. What advice would you give them? I, the advice I would give them is take it as it's your first day on the job. What do you want to know? What do you want to know that's expected of you? And that's going to make you a good employee for that team. Yeah. Baby steps. So you quoted Atomic Habits, Heath, and I think this is from that book, but don't try and do it all at once. And the best thing in that book, if it's the same quote, is if you could get 1% better every single day, Yeah. in 100 days, in three months plus, you're going to be 100% better than you were today, which is an amazing thing. But 1% a day is way better than trying to bite off 50% by tomorrow. It's yeah. just too much and you're just going to be stagnant because you're paralyzed with too much stuff. Yeah. If you just put together like what's your loan process from beginning to end and, you know, what do you do in certain situations, scripts and messages and things like that. Yeah. Everyone's going to be a little bit more organized and doing the same process. So, so hey, 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 let me, can I jump in on that? Please. So last, we have a monthly team meeting last month, unbeknownst to me, Brittany said, we're going to talk about process and the, the back end of the team is going to talk about what happens when they grab the file after the purchase agreement comes in or we lock a refi and the front end of the team. And I work with the front of the team, my four loan officer assistant, LP1s, whatever you want to call them. We all got together and said, what happens from when the lead comes in until we get the contract and we hand it off to processing. And it was really fascinating. We had whiteboards and we're scribbling on papers and we got them plastered up on the office right now. But the goal was to make sure that everybody's doing it pretty much the same. And we tweaked some stuff and I didn't know we we're going to do it. And the meeting went long and, you know, you start worrying about, I got other stuff to do, but it was so productive that it was great that she sprung that on us. Yeah. I love that fact that you said, you know, we trained on the playbook because a lot of people put together a playbook, right? And then what do they do? They, they put it on the shelf and they never go back to it. And I think moving forward in the mortgage business, it's going to be as important for us to continue to train our people, but also to unlearn some of the processes along the way, which means just changing things. Like if you're not all, uh, routinely changing your process and looking at your playbook, you know, you're going to get left behind. I always give the example, you know, your, your iPhone, how often do you get an update on the software? Yeah. Right. I mean, once a month, right? How often do we update our playbook? You know, before COVID, you know, I, you know, you you remember this, Brendan. I don't know if you changed as a result of COVID, but for for ten years, I took every loan application, not myself, but someone on my team, on the phone. We took it by phone, and then I met everyone in person, and. As a result of COVID, we totally turned everything upside down. We had them, we sent them a link and then we do Zoom calls and it saved hours. So unlearning, I think, is as important as learning new things. So hey, different people are in different boats. My partner, we talked about Kevin Polakovich, KP, 
biggest loan officer in Michigan year in and year out. And he meets with most of his people face to face. And we did evolve to Zoom. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of drummed in that you have to meet people face to face. But sometimes our leads come to us so warm and well referred that the customer buys in without even talking to me. And then the team said a few months ago, what, what are we, what is Brendan meet? Or what do we, even the client said, what do we have to meet with Brendan for? You know, we already got it decided. And, and I thought last week, what, why am I reheating this dinner that is perfectly cooked, right? Just, <laughs> let's just eat, right? Maybe I'll bring you another glass of wine. Um, you know, I'll tuck a napkin in your shirt, something yeah. like that. But, but my team converts at such a high level that only thing I can do is screw it up. You know, yeah. like talking about something that they're already comfortable with. So then it's better for me to just call and say, hey, I know you guys are off to the races. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. I just want to see if you had any questions and introduce myself because I didn't get to talk to you yet, but I'm I'm so excited. And then, you know, it's just yeah. customer service for Rob. Yeah. But I just realized, like, I don't need to meet with everybody if they're sold. I'm just going to, only thing I can do is make it worse if it's already done. Right. You know? Yeah. For those listening, you know, meeting in person, I don't want you to change what you're doing, but meeting in person, what I do find is if somebody's going to drive to your office and sit down with you and spend an hour or 30 minutes with you, they're probably going to do the loan with you most of the time. And if you have them on the phone, they're like, well, why do we have to come in and meet with you? Oh, no, you don't have to come in. That's what just about everyone else wants to do. But no, you we can do a Zoom call. And then generally they're going to say, oh, okay, well, if everybody else does it, then I'll do it too. Yeah. But so. you might be in a market where, you know, I know guys in North of San Francisco, like it take them two hours to get to my office, you know, so they, all they do is Zoom and they were doing Zoom, you know, Jeremy, they were, he was doing Zoom. Before three, Zoom, four, Zoom. Three, four years ago, I'm like, Zoom? What the hell is Zoom? So. Yeah. Great. So the I think I love the fact that you have the playbook. So uh, you have a playbook and, and now what you use to implement that playbook or to make sure that people are following their process is the CRM. What CRM are y'all using? Oh, we use Jungo, which is from Salesforce. And it, you haven't been using it long, correct? How long, Brittany? Uh, about a year. We went live with it. So, you know, usually when people make a radical change, and I think moving to a CRM is a radical change in your business, you literally have to like say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And usually people move for one of of two reasons, because they've got a lot of pain in their life or because they notice it's going to give them a lot of pleasure. Is there a story behind like when y'all made the decision, okay, I want to do a CRM? Maybe it was because... Brittany's like, let's do it. I don't know. Tell me, what's the story behind the implementation of the CR? Well, Jungle was here when I started, but from what I could see, it wasn't really being utilized. So when I met with actually the marketing director, I was like, what is this? He kind of sold it to me. I was like, well, why aren't we using it? What was the pitch from Salesforce that made Treadstone want to buy it? So it kind of became, well, why did we get it? What can it all do? So we actually reached out to one of Brendan's people in the core and that uses it all the time. And they're completely paperless and met with him. It was great. Uh, went through how he used it just at a glimpse. And it, I wanted it so bad. <laughs> I, just, I could just see how much simpler it would make everyone's job and more efficient. 
Yeah, how did you see? How, what, what did, how did you see that? Like, what was it? What did you hear? What did you notice that it was going to? So this particular person that helped us is completely paperless. So I love that. That way, you're not going to lose stuff on your desk or have to take it with you wherever you are. You can hop in and do it. I really like that idea, especially for Brendan. Um, I for almost two years now we've been trying to push him out of the office more so that he can't meddle. Like, go have coffee, go get drinks. We will hold down the fort. Just, I don't want to see you tomorrow. So I saw that as an avenue to do that. And then I'm very, my mind just works in a process way and very systematic. So I did right away was like, well, if this, then this, and it does it automatically for them, what are those things that we do on every single lead, no matter what path it's going to take? What are the things that stick out? And I knew that it could become something so much bigger for us and for our team. I just... Some of it's the curse of shared ownership too, right? If somebody doesn't take the ball and run with it, like I knew what it did and the idea of me learning about this and implementing it made me sick to my stomach because I knew it would just, I would not do it well. It would screw up everything else that I'm supposed to be doing. And then my marketing director is really well-versed in loans and learned a lot from being around us all the time, but doesn't understand the nuts and bolts of when I talk to another loan officer yeah, it does this and this. And we set up this 12-step drip campaign and boom. Then you're like, wow, we got to get into this. And But nobody on my team was equipped to do it. And I'm now I am the biggest offender of not fully staying in it. Or, you know, I can't type fast. So sometimes somebody just calls me. I'm like, all right, let me just take down your information. And But I can't say no either. So, yeah. but I'm the biggest offender. Who, who was the guy? Was it Randall? Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 He's like, he's a pro. In fact, I think Randall and your boy, Brian in Milwaukee are, I mean, do it as well as anybody else. So, and Randall was very giving and, and sharing us all, you know, all the stuff that we need. Right. So. right. so how long did it take you from the moment you said, you know what, we're going to get this implemented until you started using it. And then advice for someone that might have a smaller team, like, you know, eight or seven people. No. I would say figuring out what we wanted it to do and how it would look and how it would flow it took probably three to four months and then working with jungo and salesforce to write like the code because i don't know how to do that stuff but talking with them on what we wanted it to look like that took probably three to four months but in all honesty then we hit the busy we hit summer and it kind of was like well, do we want to roll this out is it going to work i don't know if that was the time so we waited a little bit and then i was still just chomping at the bit because summer is busy and it's stressful and i'm like I know that if this works, it'll be so much better. So I made the decision. I think I just told Brendan, I, I am flipping the switch on. I think it was November or December 1st. And we just went with it through the team, tested it. It worked really well. There was a couple of kinks, but nothing crazy that would affect the customer or a realtor partner negatively. I worked on that and even using it ever since. And I think that having it within the team, because we were a little bit smaller last year, it allowed us to be more efficient get more leads, increase our conversion, and therefore needing more people on the team. And we were overwhelmed last year because we got hit with, you know, 20 to 5% more refis than we were accustomed to. So, and, but, but you have to trust somebody, right? So I trust Brittany. I knew she knew what we wanted and what we needed to do to grow because, you know, what we were doing was just put a ceiling on us. So it's the whole, you have to start somewhere and it doesn't have to do Again, just like that whole 1% a day, it doesn't have to do everything right now. You just have, you have to start and it's just better. Even if it's just tracking 
your leads, you know, just you put them all in Jungo and, and you can revert back to them. It's a huge deal. Yeah. I think if, I think where people often get stuck or where I get stuck is wanting it to be perfect and like trying to map it out completely. And I think if you just kind of start, use what's called, I think they call it the scrum method where maybe you just start using it from, and I don't know if this would work, but just like lead intake until you send out loan disclosures and just work on that beginning process. Figure yeah. out, I don't know if that would work, but what's your suggestion on someone that might feel like, okay, well, that's too big of a mountain to climb. Brittany, you answered that question, but yeah, it's, we talk about it all the time. KP's one of his favorite thing is shoot, ready, aim, right? Because if you try and make it perfect, you're just going to not do anything for months trying to get the thing perfect. So yeah. roll it out, enter your leads. It syncs with Encompass and, and probably other LOS systems. So go ahead, Brittany. I would start with familiarizing yourself with what it can do and what you want to get out of it. So we actually wrote down pen to paper. Okay. What does it look like? What do we want it to do? What are some things that it can help save us time? that kind of thing. So I would just have that and just kind of have it to the side so you can reference back to it. As far as actually using it, I would use it for entering your leads into it and maybe start using that as your lead tracker. And then I would use it for documenting any correspondence between you and the customer because it's really cool. It'll tell you if they opened it or not. Like Outlook doesn't tell you that. And then it's all in there. So anyone on your team could hop into that contact page and say, oh, Brendan talked to them yesterday. This is what they talked about. Great. So now I can pick it up. Giving that customer that experience where it's not like, okay, well, now I have to start from A and tell them yeah. the story again. They can pick right back up to where they were a couple of days ago. And then it slowly, as it pushes over into Encompass and it becomes a deal, then it just, it kind of goes on its own. Once it becomes live, it just rolls. And then once it's ready for closing, the LOA knows, and then they can call a customer and congratulate them. The in-between once you get more comfortable would be the automation stuff that we turned on and are doing now. So would you advise someone maybe not to have the automation in the beginning and just uh, kind of make it easy? Correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Got it. You got to be careful with like a nut and bolt thing, like appraisal, like the appraisal came in. If you set your system up to say, Hey, the appraisal came in, boom, and it goes out, but the appraisal's $10,000 low and, and they just congratulations your say it came in ten thousand dollars low just said that it, so everybody thinks oh it came in everything's good and then you call back and say oh hey you know <laughs> we got a negotiation issue here you know so not that we ever have appraisal issue probably. yeah that's right that's when you send you send an email a really nice email hey just gonna give you an update unfortunately appraisal came in fifteen thousand dollars low what do y'all want to do <laughs> but but you can have triggers hey your file has as much as you want automation, you, your file has moved to the first phase of underwriting. Yeah. Conditions are, you know, you can do some of that automated. I think you got to be careful to be become not become too robotic. Right. Yeah, I, I think for if if you're listening and you you're thinking, okay, well, I don't have a team of nine, and I, you know, I don't get that many leads. You know, now that would be the perfect time to implement something like this. Like we're rolling into winter, it's going to start to slow down. Like the fewer people you have, the fewer leads, the 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 better chance you have of, of getting this under your belt. So yeah, you can be better. You can be a Jugo expert right away because you have time to do it and it will help your conversion. 
And as you grow and realize that it's helping you, you'll get better at it. And then you'll have reporting, you know, so the more data you get under your belt, you can dump old data into it too. So we can dump stuff from years ago that was in it. And I can call an agent and say, hey, really excited to be working with you on 125 Duncan Street. I forgot, we closed one in March and then we did another one in May. I think those things closed about two days early. Was it a good experience? So then they're like, oh yeah, that was you, you know? And then you get to the point where like, hey, how come we don't, we had three deals in a row that were great. How come we're not working together more? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so Brittany, how do you use it yourself? Like how is it beneficial for you as the team captain? Like do you have a dashboard you look at, what are the things that it keeps, that helps keep you on track? And then we'll go to Brendan. Yeah. So the dashboard is probably one of my favorite things because I can peek into not only mine and Brendan's, but also the loan officer assistant dashboards and just kind of see where they're at to make sure everything's load balanced, see if they need help without necessarily going to their desk and interrupting them. Because if you interrupt somebody, it takes them how many minutes to get back into what they were doing. Um, I don't want to take away from their efficiencies. I want to help them. Um, It's also helped for the LOAs them seeing their own conversion and setting their own goals for themselves, which is really exciting. So instead of it coming from us, they can see it and that they want to keep getting better and better. That 1%, like Brennan says, is really great. And it's easy for them to check it versus having to go and try and pull reports and things like that. It has allowed me to manage kind of behind the scenes. I don't like to micromanage. I don't think anybody likes to be micromanaged. So we've been able to step away from that, which is great. I trust them. They're not going to forget anything. Nothing's going to get, you know, pushed aside because somebody else was calling and it was on a piece of paper and now it's in the shred bin somehow. I don't know, but nothing like that's going to happen. And one of my favorite things is that they're not working super late. The dashboards and the systems are into a place where they can come in, they've, we've time blocked their calendars of how to attack each part of that dashboard. So when they leave at the end of the day, they can go have dinner with their families and they know that they racked it out. They didn't forget anything. I know we've all been there where you wake up at two in the morning, like, oh crap, like, did I do that? Did I call that person back? There's none of that really happening anymore, which I think is a really good feeling across the board. But then it also allows me to have a little bit extra time because I'm not in the trenches meddling, getting involved in everything because I know it's being taken care of to work with other people on the team, maybe the processors or our setup crew um, or also other projects, things like this, um, working on how to make things more efficient. I'm always looking for ways to make the team run smoother, faster, better. Uh, Brennan keeps setting high goals for me and I welcome those. And I know that I will have to keep changing and improving to hit those goals. So it gives me a little bit of time to do that as well. Nice. Sounds like you use some metrics to run your business, Brendan. Yeah, didn't used to. We just thought you just got out of bed and wing it for a while. Then it went from 12 closings to five closings to three to 10 to zero. The old roller coaster that a lot of people that are listening right now know exactly that stressful thing is. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we start out in the business, right? Yeah, leaning in, and you're like, okay, well, maybe I need to find someone to show me how to do this because I can't figure it out on my own. Yeah, and if you try and do it all on your own, you, you can only do so much. So you, you need help. So, so uh, like, what's your dashboard look like, Brendan? Like, when when you're using it yourself, what do you? What's your dashboard like? What are the things that you're doing 
on a daily basis. So I don't know, if, Brittany, if you want to share it, but I, the things that I'm looking at it right now and the things that are excited, I look at my year to date, my month to date, my week to date, and what's going on today. So I know we have 359 deals this year. We have 1,126 leads. I know how many leads and deals we had last week. I know we have at least six this week. The leads are down a little bit. So I'm wondering, all right, do I need to, to bang the drum a little bit more? But like even just today, I noticed that we did a video recently that's gone out to realtors. Hey, now is the time to buy because we expect interest rates to go up and we expect prices to go up. So if you wait, it could cost you as much as you know $70,000 on a $325,000 house just by the purchase price going up next year and the rate going up next year. But what I realized is, is Heath, we have 182 people that are out looking right now. And that's for the whole year. So they may have given up. They may be frustrated. I said, well, let's hit them with this video because I don't want them to get frustrated. And we got a deal in today. These people have made 16 offers. I'm really excited. It's one of my tasks. I got to call that agent and thank them for accepting our offer. So this gives me a snapshot, again, without bugging everybody about what's going on. I can measure the pulse of my team. I can see that I have seven things to do. So my little speedometer tachometer thing is out of the green and it's into the red, but I have to call two or three agents and thank them for accepting offers. And I have to do, we do pre-approval videos. So I have to do four pre-approval videos to get caught up. And if I don't chip away at that or get it all done, next thing you know, I get into the red and then it starts stressing me out. So but it also allows me to know where I'm at and what I need to do, right? So if I have a big pile of leads this week, we don't want to slow down the leads, but I'm not going to focus on that part because I don't want to overwhelm everybody with more leads in the next two days. I want to focus on conversion. What can I do to jump in? Uh, it looks like you haven't talked to this person. You know what I mean? And then if we don't have enough leads, then I better get out and do all sorts of videos, activity, meetings, phone calls, because that's my job. So yeah, I think some people looking at this dashboard, for those of you that are uh, on audio and listening to the podcast on audio, there is a YouTube that you can look at, but this is showing his dashboard. And, you know, as I'm looking at this dashboard, I'm thinking of any normal loan officer would just take the rest of the year off. You've closed uh, for the year, 359 transactions. Year-to-date leads is eleven twenty-six. What's the difference between year-to-date deals and year-to-date closings? So they're under contract, but they haven't closed yet. You know, there's thirty more closing in, and so I look at this every day because I'm obsessed with it. So there's, I think there's eighteen done, and we think there's thirty or thirty-one closing in October, thirty-one more, which is a monstrous October for us. And so three hundred fifty-nine are under contract. Three hundred thirty-six have closed. Got it. So those, those are people moving forward. Okay. And then so and, and then it's color coded. So you know where you're doing good. I mean, hey, all the results you're doing good, but the, like the leads you're down a little bit. So what's the difference in the color? Red means you're off by how much? You're just off? So I have set up the color coding system because as a team, we know how many leads you want to get per week and how many deals. So we're only through until Tuesday. So as the week goes on, we'll see it turn yellow and hopefully green. <laughs> yeah, just for fun, I'm sure you from time to time when Brendan comes in, he's having a bad day, you just turn everything red. So when he opens it up, he just... <laughs> yeah, if you notice the speedometer, it turns red pretty quick. So he, the important thing about that is right now, so this is October, right? And most people don't realize that you need to be planning for 2022 in October. And actually, shamefully, yeah. 
I should have it on paper by October 1st. It will be done by the end of the month. But this also tells me where I've been, right? So you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. So we know what kind of Januaries and Februaries we have. And I know that this is 21. I know that in 2018 and 17 and before that, my January and February were historically horrendous. Yeah, And, and it's because we didn't do enough in the last quarter of the year to hit the ground running. So, and you get caught up in holidays and Thanksgiving and going to too many damn Christmas parties and all that other stuff. Yeah. But we've had monstrous first quarters for the last couple of years. And even before Brittany got here, just because I knew I had to do more in the fall. And we beat on our loan officers for that because you don't want to turn the corner uh, behind. And, and you can have really huge first quarters just by doing the work right now. And it's also something that if you know how many leads you have, and you know what your conversion is, you can set your goals, you know, and it's, you can teach your realtors this too, because we're doing it next week and they're not, realtors won't like it, but this is a class on, Hey, how many deals did you close this year? I think about this. How many leads you get? I have no idea. How many are you going to do next year? Well, I'd like to do 60. All right. Well, how are you going to do 60 units? What's your conversion? But it's simple math. You know, how many leads do I need to close? How many deals to save or help so many families? But if you don't plan, if you don't know, so now I know how many leads we get year in and year out. We have a really detailed yeah. system for the last four or five years that's accurate. And then Brittany, if I say, hey, Brittany, like today, I said, hey, I want to close 40 loans a month in 2022. It's not on paper yet, but that sounds like a good number because we're averaging about 37. So 40 sounds good. We don't need to go crazy and overwhelm the team. But to close 40 loans, we need to have X number of leads uh, for conversion. And then we figure out how is Brendan going to go find X number of leads because that's his job. And, and so... Tell, share those metrics with us. Like you want to get, like you got your goal of how many deals that you, you need to close in a year. And, and then you're going to break it down to which, how many leads you need. And that usually that lead conversion, what's your lead conversion? Like leads, total leads to closing. What What's the percent? Brittany, you might even be able to share that year in and year out thing. So there's a couple of answers to that question. I think that our, I think that our conversion is up over 31 Wow. That's closing. And I was always stuck at 26, 27.5%. I was at 24.5%. You also got to remember that, you know, some of the conversion is we have 185 people out approved and looking. So that's another, you know, 18%. So pre approvals were close to 50. Now they're not all going to close. I also know the more that we track this stuff that, you know, I think 42% of our credit pulls turn into closed loans, which is a good number. I'm working on the application to credit pull data. We don't have that yet for the first six months of the year, but Brittany's really good with numbers. So she looked at, you know, 17, 18, and 19. And I said, when I want to set goals, she said, hey, we're not just going to say X amount a month. Let's just see what the flow normally is in a winter climate like Michigan. And then the only intangible this year, Heath, is inventory. People can't find it. So I think we need to have about at least 10% more leads because we're not used to having 185 people out looking. You yeah. know, we're used to having about 50 or 60 people out looking. So because I love that when there's a shortage of inventory, a lot of people are like, oh, man, there's a shortage of inventory. Well, as a loan officer, man, that's every opportunity for you to get the client totally ready. Hopefully you work for someone that allows you to submit the loan, get it hundred percent approved. And then, so I'm looking at this for you, for those that are, 
um, listening by audio, uh, Brittany just put up a, a beautiful spreadsheet that shows every month and what their closing percentages were in 2021. Wow, this is incredible. So the, just for those listening, if you're a loan officer and your closing ratio from total leads to closings for the year is, you know, 20%, that's pretty, pretty good. 20 to 25% is rock solid. And Brendan's doing like 25 to 40%. So, man, this is, these are some incredible numbers. Brittany, is there something you want to say about this document that you have here? Just to kind of piggyback off of what Brendan said, I like having the historical data because I didn't just want to say, okay, 30 loans a month. I wanted to weight it based on how the mortgage world goes and how it's very cyclical. So I just took a weighted average of the history and then that's how I came up with these numbers. So for anybody out there that's like, oh yeah, I'll just take, you know, 400 divided by 12. I mean, you can do it that way, but that's not real life. So doing yeah. it this way, um, it set goals for the team. Everybody in the team knows what these goals are and try to hit them. So it's a good uh, visual management, I think, for everybody. The actual hard numbers, we can look and divide the deals that are in the pipe versus the leads. And it's almost 32%. And then if you take the other 182 people that are approved and out looking, that's another 16%, but it's not 48 because I know that some of those were from January, February. If we didn't do a good job with our CRM, Heath, they may have actually forgot who we were and went somewhere else. Shame yeah. on us. Or they may have got frustrated and given up, but that's the other reason to send that video out I talked about earlier. Let's get them re-engaged. Let's, let's not quit on them because their realtor probably forgot about them too. So Yeah. You know, as I look at that, I think back to the James Clear quote, habits are the compound interest of self-improvements. I mean, the habit of, of tracking your numbers on a daily, monthly, weekly, monthly basis, you get to see where your issues are. I mean, and using this allows you to see immediately, okay, Brendan's got to make some calls today. So yeah, I think this this helps everyone to have more organization and clarity about what their day looks like. Does it provide you with on your task? So I'm, I'm assuming that the CR uh, jungle gives you a task list. Is it done in the order you should do all those tasks on a daily basis? Well, it's categorized by date and priority, you know? So if it's, okay. if it's immediate, it says high priority. You answer that for you, you're better at that. Yeah, so like you were saying, we do have the tasks set up to either be, if they're due today or maybe they're due tomorrow, giving the LOA more time to put notes in for Brendan, but some of them are by priority high and those I would like him to get done within the same day. So that's just my my subtle way of saying like, get this done today. <laughs> I would like them to get done, Brendan. And the, and the good thing about having, you know, we talked about last time daily team meetings and having everybody involved. Once in a while, maybe somebody hit a button and it wasn't ready. So I, I said, hey, this says Heath Barnes. I'm supposed to call and thank the listing agent, but we didn't say he, he got a purchase agreement this morning. So did, is it really, is did he really get one? Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I must have been going too fast. So it also makes, stops me from, just our communication stops me from calling and say, well, we didn't accept Heath's deal. It was a crappy offer. You know, it was cheap. He went too low. And, you know, he seems like he's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? But the whole point of it was, hey, is this really a deal? So it also allows you to look for things if you just have, that's just a good communication on the team things. And you'll have a daily team meeting every day. How long is it? And how did it change before the CRM? And how does it, what's it like now? So Brittany will tell you the before and after. The daily team meeting happens every day at 845. 
every single day, no matter what. And if we're not here because of COVID, then we're doing it on Zoom. And it's five minutes of fun. What'd you do last night? What'd you do this weekend? What's going on? Where'd you get that shirt? Are you sure you should have, you know, sure you should have bought that. And then the next five minutes is how many leads did we get yesterday or over the weekend? And how many deals did we get? Okay. And then the last part is gratitude. We have uh, gratitude journals. This is a great one. The one minute gratitude. What are you grateful for? Because it's difficult to be grateful and grumpy at the same time. So it's a good way to end your meeting. And then the long meeting is on Tuesday. We have a pipeline meeting that lasts anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. And that's so we can go through every single deal and update the buyer, the seller's agent, and the buyer's agent about what's going on every single week. And if I'm not here, which I'm not for 40 to 50% of the meetings, Brittany runs them because I'm out doing something else. Okay. So yes. Brittany, sorry, tell them before and after the, the difference. So. so before it was all paper, people would bring in their clipboards and okay, I had a lead from Mr. Johnson and then somebody else would say, oh, well, I also have that lead and you're duplicating stuff. Well, who's actually got it? Who talked to them more? Stuff like that. So now it's just so much simpler. Um, we pull up Brennan's dashboard on the TV in the office and we go over it together and make sure everything's in there correctly. And it's way more efficient and smooth. And then it gives us more time to talk about fun stuff and gratitudes. And it becomes competitive too. Say, oh, Daniel got three yesterday and Tracy got two. And then, and then Lauren's like, well, I got one, you know, they're, they're sending it over. The seller just hasn't <laughs> signed it yet. You know, so, you know, I don't want to be left out, you know? And then we also, I mean, celebration wise, we have a buzzer that uh, we got a deal. And when that happens, everybody drops and claps their hands because we got another. Well, wait, tell me what happens again. Every time you get a contract, we go get the buzzer. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And you've been in the business how long? It's going to be loud, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to bring it in. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, I've been in the business for about 14 years now. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Let's hear it, man. Let's so, hear the buzzer. So a deal comes in and... So there's some yelling and... and clapping around the corner, but that's what happens when it, when a deal comes in. So. Nice. And every time. I, I love that. Everyone yeah. is loved. Hey, any advice on things people should not be doing uh, when they implement a CRM? Like things that like maybe you thought about, you're like, okay, ideas that you had that you tried, that you're like, okay, don't do this. Too much automation. It's great to have tasks to say like, hey, maybe you want to send this email. But don't have them go out automatically because then it's too much and then you kind of become it feels robotic to a customer to it and how do you know it's too much any guidance there on knowing what is too much i think it depends on your team and your salesperson's personality like if you are very much um, texting and emailing them all the time and that seems normal that's fine but you could normally kind of tell um, if they open them or not too, because Joomla will tell you if they didn't open them and you can see like, okay, like no one's opening these anymore. They don't care. Or, you know, I'm doing too much. What we did on the beginning during the testing phase is I made several contacts for myself and I did where I was the realtor and I was the client and just had all the automations turned on. And I was like, this is way too much. Like, yeah, I don't need to know every single step. <laughs> I just need to know what is important to me. I love that idea, Brittany. It's, um, Make yourself the test client first. Maybe you have one person in your office be the agent, one person be the uh, 
buyer's agent, listing agent, and client and see what that process looks like. Absolutely. Would you say y'all communicate on a weekly basis to everyone by email on automation? I wouldn't say automation, but I would say every week we talk to them, whether it's a phone call or a text or an update. Every week is different the way that we have it set up because we don't want it to seem robotic. So maybe the first couple of weeks it's a phone call and then it's just a text like, hey, how's it going for every group of people? And then maybe the next week it's a handwritten postcard that we send them. Like, hey, hope shopping's going good. Here's a gift card for Starbucks. Get a coffee while you're out looking for a house. Just stuff like that to differentiate us from other people and make sure that we're in, in front of them so that they want to come back and stay with us. You get a feel. You get a feel for what works, right? Because when texting first came out 10, 12 years ago, and you can text somebody saying, "Hey, this is on schedule. We're closing next Friday." To uh, a person you know is going to talk your ear off for 15, 20 minutes, and maybe you're even playing golf, you know, and you're just like, "I don't have time to skip a hole and a half," so yeah. I just want to send a text out. But too much texting is too impersonal. Calling the same group of people every week, they don't want to hear. I don't have enough stuff to talk about every week, yeah. right? Using phone burner or a dialer system is great when you want to get information out. But if you're just leaving the same canned message and canned emails, people that know what's going on, that's just a slide out. That's just phone burner. That's just, you know, this is not personal. So you slow down and say, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Just want to check in and see how your kids did last weekend, blah, 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 blah. But everything we do cannot be too robotic because then you just become... Redfin, Zillow. Yeah. You become the people that are trying to put you out of business, quite frankly. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I think sometimes we lose the relationship when we stop using the phone and calling people and just texting and email. I mean, I always tell, you know, when a new lead comes in, it's, you know, when you're following up with them, call, text, email, call, text, email. You know, people, one of those methods is going to, connect with the client. So any lasting thoughts as we begin to wrap up about advice uh, for someone that either is thinking about using in Jungo? And this is not a advertisement for Jungo. If, if you're not using Jungo, use, the purpose is just to get you to start using a CRM. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people use Jungo in the, in the mortgage business. So it's just, it's good familiarity because you talk to somebody and say, oh, hey, you know, my friend Michael in Washington, when an appraisal comes in, this and this happens. So we, we avoid the pitfall of sending out an appraisal that's not ready to be announced yet. But I said, how much did that cost? Oh, Jungo did this module for 400 bucks. I'm like, that's a home run, you know, let's plug it in. So just a uniformity thing, whatever you do, just start doing it and, and let it help you. So pretty, you got a better answer for that probably. My advice would be not to be intimidated by it and Maybe your business is rocking and you're doing great. And you might be thinking, well, why would I do this? Why would I change what I'm doing now? It's just going to help you be even better and hopefully grow your business. And change is good. I know some people are afraid of change and change is hard for some people. But I mean, we have a couple of people on our team that I kind of thought it would be difficult for change and they love it. I am so proud that they went in head first and it is a game changer. So I would just say not to be intimidated by it. and to take a chance. And just because something might, you might have a hiccup in the beginning, like as you're testing it and rolling out, don't give up. Invest the time in yourself, in your team, in your business, and it will be worth it. 
and find somebody who believes in it, like Brittany, and who's excited about it. Because, yeah. you know, when other people in the office say, well, I don't want to do this, or we're going to change this, and, and I'll go up to, to my partner and say, listen, you guys, this is working. Don't be changing this field because it works because of this. And, and it, because it, we want everybody to put the pickle on the burger the same way, basically. So that's a great point uh, is you got to find someone that's excited about it because they can see the reward. Like the reason, Brittany, you probably you got enrolled is you could see what the reward's going to be for yourself and the entire organization. And anytime yeah. you can see the reward, you're going to do the action. So. Well, hey, I uh, sincerely appreciate, Brennan, you hopping back on the call. I'm sure you've got a bunch of agents to call. Or uh, uh, No, my business runs itself, Pete. That's what yeah, I got to go for, man. Got it on uh, cruise control, especially when you have somebody wonderful. As Brittany, listen, if he ever you know, upsets you, you got a spot. Yeah. And you can work yeah. anywhere. And yeah. I'm just going to double your salary, so you don't have to ask. So awesome, Brendan. Well, man, I, yeah, I appreciate the two of you being on. Thank you for your time. I acknowledge your hard work and dedication and your ability to just like give it away and tell someone how to be successful. That's why you've been so successful and why you attract someone like Brittany. I'm sure Brittany's uh, the same way. So thanks and for you your might, time, guys. You might not want to share in your market, but you should share with people and, and tell them what's working because otherwise you're just a selfish ogre and you need to stop. So, Yeah, I, w- I would even share the people in your market because 99% of them aren't even going to do it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for your time and another great episode. It was fun. Thanks for having us on for sure. Yes, thank you. And there you have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the notes at heatbarns.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at heatbarns.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk next time.